Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. Investigators said that they have tracked down all the people and all the tips. I think people just want to know. People just want to know who did this and who could have done it. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Officially, it's a closed case. But who killed 24-year-old Laura Ronning in 1991 is still a mystery. For many people in Wayne County, Laura Ronning's murder feels like it was yesterday. But 30 years have passed, along with some who were involved in the case. And with no resolution, who killed Laura is still a big question. Courtney Harrison with WNEP. July 27th marked 30 years since Laura Ronning was killed in Wayne County, Pennsylvania. You've been looking back at this case, talking to people who've been involved throughout those 30 years. Before we get into all of it, what have you learned about Laura Ronning? Who was she? Uh, Laura was uh, 24 years old. She was from St. Petersburg, Florida, and she was a camp counselor at Camp Cayuga, which is about 15 minutes of Honesdale, Pennsylvania, and that's in northern Wayne County. Um, At the time, she was attending Florida State. She was putting herself through college, hoping one day to be a child psychologist. So she was a camp counselor, and from what I've understood, she was really loved by everyone that she worked with, including lots of the, the campers at Camp Cayuga. Take us through her day then on July 27th, 1991. So July 27th, uh, 1991 was a Saturday. So it happened to be Laura's day off. Um, I guess she had plans with one of her bunkmates, but sometime after 11 o'clock, she decided she wanted to do something else with her day. She wanted to go sunning at Tanner's Falls. So she stopped at the horse stables to talk with her bunkmate because they were supposed to go horseback riding. But like I said, she changed her mind. So she decided to hike the five miles from Camp Cayuga down to Tanner's Falls, and she was down there on the rocks. It's a beautiful spot, um, and then she was last seen around 11, 11.30, and then by noon, 1 o'clock, she was no longer with us. What happens from there then as Laura Ronning is missing and, and folks are looking for her? So Laura never came back to camp that day, um, so state police decided to start uh, searching for her. So police and volunteers spent, I guess, the whole next day looking for her. And around noon, they came upon her body. Laura's body was found down an embankment. She had been sexually assaulted and shot in the head. I was found a, a little, a short distance upstream. She was posed up against a tree and it, she was badly beaten. And she also had a gunshot wound to her head. Um, I had spoke with the former ADA at the time, and then he became the DA. And he said it was the most gruesome scene he'd seen Um, when you covered a case like this. It was a horrible scene. Um, That's what sticks in my mind. The scene was absolutely horrible. And and the mystery was evident from day one. I wanted to ask a little more about your conversation with that assistant district attorney in Wayne County. I know he told you he remembered that day like it was yesterday. What did he tell you about, you know, why it left such an impression on him? He said it was brutal and very grisly. He said he had, you know, been on... Uh, autopsies and murder scenes prior to this, and along with several of the other investigators and state police. And he said, looking at everyone's faces 
in and around them. He said it was just awful. Everyone was harrowed and just frustrated by what they saw. And from what I can tell, this is a pretty small county. I imagine a DA in Wayne County, Pennsylvania, probably doesn't see a lot of cases like this one. No, no. Uh, murders aren't very frequent in this area. You know, it's it's very rural. The population is um, pretty small. Um, so he said that, you know, cases like this don't come across his desk, their desks very often. And so when they do, you kind of remember it. And I think, you know, over the the past history of Wayne County, there are very few unsolved murders, and this happens to be one of them. So I think it's been bothering a lot of these investigators for many, many years, knowing it's been 30 years and they still really don't have any answers. The most lasting thing is is the frustration that I've had ever since that day. Right. That's the other thing that stood out about this scene, aside from just how awful it was, was the mystery of it. Why was this so puzzling to investigators from the start? Well, you know, they had said that Laura went down there by herself. According to the camp, that was something that lots of these these female counselors were told not to do. Um, there's also five, like 5,000 acres of state game lands in and around that area of Tanner's Falls between the falls and Camp Cayuga. Um, so there's a lot of space to cover. And, you know, she went down there by herself. She was found a little bit downstream. So trying to find any evidence to figure out who could have done this to her was like, looking for a needle in a haystack. What did this investigation look like back in the 90s as investigators are trying to figure out who did this, where are they looking? Well, right off the bat, because she worked at a camp, um, they decided to start with the camp staff, other male counselors and other male staff. So I believe they had the the camp kind of shut down to the public as they tried to conduct their interviews. They determined that none of those camp counselors or staff were suspects. So then they had to expand their search. When we go back to the day that they were searching, there were lots of police and also volunteers. So then they started to kind of look through, okay, well, maybe someone has inserted themselves into the investigation. And that's when they came across um, this guy, Jeffrey Plishka. And he said he saw her that day, on July 27th, he said she was down on sunning on the falls and he waved and she did not wave back. So at that point, investigators said, OK, well, this is the guy that saw her last. Let's talk to him. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. What else can you tell us about this guy, Jeffrey Plishka? Did he have any connection to the camp or, or maybe to the area? Plishka's family had a farm nearby in Honesdale, not, not too far from the camp. Uh, Plishka and his family um, would come up to, the, to their farm and stay, and he happened to be there at the same time. So they said he was driving over this road just kind of passing by. I guess if you know the area, it's a kind of a connection and you can get to the state game game lands and hike and kind of just see Tanner's Falls as well. So I guess he was familiar with that area. When investigators had spoke with him that day after they determined that he was there to help with the search, they'd noticed he had a kind of a scratch on his face. So they wanted to kind of talk to him more and, you know, see if he had seen or what he had seen 
if he was kind of involved in this. And I guess when they started talking to him, he was kind of making some misleading statements. Things weren't adding up. He kept changing his stories. Um, so they really kind of honed in on Jeffrey Plishka at that point. And so at some point in all of this, he goes from being someone investigators are interested in talking to, hoping to learn information from, to being a suspect. What happens then years and years later in 2009? In 2009, investigators said they had enough um, evidence to really put uh, Plishka on trial. I guess at the time in 2009 when he was arrested, he had been living in Virginia. Um, According to uh, some stories I've seen, right after the murder happened, uh, Plishka's family kind of moved him all over the country, back and forth, trying to keep him low-key and under the radar. And that's kind of another reason why it took them so long to um, to do to make an arrest, uh, because they couldn't find him. They had to find him in Virginia. So they said they had um, evidence of a 22 caliber gun and as well as a casing that was consistent found with um, the casing that was found near Laura's body. I had also seen reports that there was uh, DNA evidence on the barrel of the gun And so they they were hoping that it was Laura's blood. So I guess they had enough evidence to link the blood on the gun that was taken from Plishka's house in 1991 to Laura. Hmm. Tell us about Plishka's trial then. What happens? At this point, you know, people are very aware that this is a case that's been going on for so long. So it was really lots of people were paying attention to what was happening. So Plishka was put on trial one year later in 2010. Prosecutors said Plishka knew details of the case that wasn't available to the public. He made incriminating statements to police and that he confided certain details of the crime to apparently an inmate. Um, His father was famed opera singer Paul Plishka, but he also testified that the statements that his son made to police shouldn't count because he had severe learning disabilities. Uh, Laura's family, on the other hand, had made many trips back and forth from Florida to Pennsylvania from the time she went missing during this trial. So they were very involved trying to get justice for Laura. So when the case finally went to the jury, the jury only deliberated for three and a half hours. They decided there wasn't enough evidence to convict Jeffrey Plishka for the murder of Laura Ronning. So he was acquitted. Yes. Uh, Laura's family was very emotional. I think they were devastated that day. I think they all had thought that Plishka was the one that that murdered their their daughter and sister. And now they still don't know who killed Laura. I was not going to allow anyone to forget that Laura lived and she died in this place. And the person that did it has to be caught. And since... Since then, since 2010, Laura's mother, Pat Gicking, has since passed away, uh, not knowing who, who killed their daughter. Um, and as well as Jeffrey Plishka, he died in Florida in 2017. So whether or not he murdered Laura, there's still no real answers for the family. I can't imagine the frustration. And you also recently spoke with a reporter from a local newspaper in the county, the Tri-County Independent who's covered this case the entire time, essentially his whole career. What has it been like for him to spend so much time covering this case and see it as of this point go without resolution? When I spoke with Kevin Edwards, you know, he has been following this case. He's from the area. I think that's what's really uh, great about reporters and writers in this area. We've all grown up in this area and followed this case. And, you you know, you feel personal about it. That just doesn't happen here. And, we, and this is such a peaceful, idyllic spot. And to think right here... The horror that happened 30 years ago, almost to the hour, 
that's heartbreaking. He said he was right around the same age, within a year of how um, old Laura was. He said, you know, their lives were just beginning, and hers was cut short, and his continued on. And he said there was something about this case that just always stuck with him, that he wanted to try and find answers and, you know, see if anyone knew anything. And he's talked to lots of people saying that there's that they don't really believe that Plishka was the one that murdered Laura. They might think it was something else. Um, so he continues to try and he writes articles every year trying to drum drum up more information. Maybe people will come forward, um, even to the to the point where he and his father go and kind of clean up Laura's memorial uh, on the anniversary every year because he said you just people just shouldn't forget Laura. We shouldn't forget that something awful and brutal and horrific happened to this girl in our area. And that's not what Wayne County should be known for. Arguably, time has run out on this case. And it's just, it breaks my heart. Investigators officially call this a closed case. How is that possible given that nobody has ever been convicted of Laura Ronning's murder? Well, I would I would say that, you know, they put Jeffrey Plishka on trial and he was acquitted. The evidence According to state police and the investigators, the evidence really pointed to Plishka, but it wasn't definitive enough to convict him. I don't think they've ever had any suspect that they could say, yes, this is who we think it also could be. Let's go that far. I think they're kind of just at a standstill and they've decided, well, you know, Plushka was put on trial. This is where we're at. We have to we have to close this. And that's where we stand right now. So they think. Essentially, they did their job. They found the guy. He just couldn't be convicted. Yes. When I talked to um, former DA Mark Zimmer, he said that, you know, the investigators during that time and he as well, they know they were convinced that Plishka was the guy that murdered Laura Ronning. And there was no other real evidence that could confirm that anyone else was there. So they, they still believe that Jeffrey Plishka went to the grave having murdered Laura Ronning. With that designation, this being a closed case, is there still hope in the community that we might get more answers as to what happened? And what would that look like at this point? What would have to happen? You know, I've spoke to lots of people in the area, and it's a very tight-knit community. And there are people that have their thoughts as to who else it could be. But investigators said that they have tracked down all the people and all the tips. Um, I think people just want to know. People just want to know who did this and who could have done it. And at the time, I know there were a lot of people that were scared. There were lots of other camps in the area and lots of other young women that they were worried that there was someone out there raping and murdering young women. And I think there are lots of people in in this area to this day that think, well, this was a one and done. Was this personal? You know, could it be someone that's in this area that we don't know? And I think as time goes by, they hope that someone will eventually say, I've lived my life. I can't live with this secret anymore. I have to come forward. And I think that's what people hope for. And if if that were to happen in, you know, Laura's family's lifetime, in everyone, these investigators and state police that were involved, if it happens in their lifetime, I think it would be a real sigh of relief for lots of people and not just, you know, investigators, but people that have followed this case and feel so personally invested in it. Well, I sure hope that happens and I hope we get to talk about it. Courtney Harrison with WNEP in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thanks for sharing the story. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. 
We're right here with a new story every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So you're going to want to make sure you hit subscribe or follow or whatever the appropriate button is on whatever podcast app you use. If you're looking for more true crime, you can head over to vaultstudios.com where you can check out all of our other shows. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. Redmond.